We come now to the uh, last of our series of sermons from the book of Acts. We started that week after Easter, and so this is the, our seventh Sunday in the book of Acts. Today's scripture reading from the second chapter of Acts tells the story of the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. That term Pentecost, by the way, comes from the Greek term for that Jewish festival generally held 50 days after Passover. This festival is known as Shabbat, the Festival of Weeks. You can read about it in the 23rd chapter of Exodus where it says, you shall observe the festival of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You see, this festival was a time of thanksgiving for the harvest. But on the first Passover after Easter, new and amazing things happen as we'll read today. Let us pray for illumination. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us in the language of our hearts so that we may hear your word with understanding and answer your call with confidence. Amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And you... Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When Sarah was in the first or second grade or so, she came home one day with an observation. It's kind of thing she would share with me as we walked from Fred O's home to our house. She said, you know, I have noticed that other children's parents don't tell them about the Greek and Latin origins of words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mention that because I'll do some of that with y'all today as we talk about trifocals. Now, have, have you ever heard the word presbyopia? I know it sounds a lot like Presbyterian, and in fact, they come from similar roots. The presbyopia in both words means old. Presbyopia's old eyes and Presbyterian means governed by elders. On the presbyopia, the problem is when you're young, your lenses and your eyes are very, very flexible. But as you age, well, frankly, after 18, everything goes downhill, right? <laughs> but you lose more and more of that flexibility, so the muscles that make the lenses able to focus up close have a harder and harder time doing it. Lots of people over 40 describe that problem as playing the trombone because they move what they're trying to see further and further away like a trombonist, right? At one time, if you had presbyopia, you had to have two pairs of glasses, one to read with and one to see at a distance. But in about 1784, a clever fellow, a smart fellow. He cut two lenses in half and glued them together. Now, if you've ever seen that movie, National Treasure, you know that that clever was none other than Benjamin Franklin. He didn't just invent the $100 bill, you know. <laughs> well, 53 years later, trifocal lenses were invented by John Isaac Hawkins. Trifocals are these eyeglasses they have three regions, so they collect for distance and for intermediate and near vision. And as some of you know now, there are progressive lenses that don't have that visible line but gradually change from one focal length for close vision to another for distant vision. I mention all this about trifocals, not just to mystify and edify you, but also to say that Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost was arranged kind of like trifocal lenses to enable us to focus on three places, in this case three subjects, that the people in, who were gathered there in Jerusalem and, and the rest of us need to know about. First there was the coming of the Holy Spirit, second there was that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and third there was a call for repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Now remember that the setting was in the midst of a large crowd probably at the temple at that point, when suddenly a sound like the rush of a violent wind and divided tongues, not fire, but like fire. Luke said they were divided tongues as of fire. 
And these people, filled with the Spirit, spoke in such a way they were understood by even people who spoke other languages. Well, observers had suggested, you recall, that maybe all this ecstatic speech was because people were filled with new wine. You ever wondered why they say new wine? It's because it was cheap, cheap wine. In our day, you might say they'd had too much Boone's Farm or Thunderbird or Two Buck Chucks or Mad Dog or Wild Irish Rose or whatever other cheap, whatever is the cheapest wine they sell these days. Which people who are stuck on wine often uh, depend on. Well, no, Peter says, hey guys, it's just nine in the morning. And besides, they aren't drunk, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know, I know. I, one of the worst uh, tourist mistakes I ever made is I went to Greenwich Village early one morning, about nine o'clock, and, and I couldn't tell whether the people walking around were drinking early or were still drinking from last night. I, don't go to Greenwich Village early in the morning, I can tell you that. Well, then Peter uses a prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Joel to explain this the remarkable events of the day saying in the last days it'll be God declares I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams this end times prophecy about pouring out of the spirit well really that was just point one of Peter's sermon the second point was that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in the 22nd verse, beyond what we read there, said that Jesus was attested to by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through, uh, did through him among you. That part about power, wonders, and signs, well, it has its own trifocal nature, past, present, future. In the past, well, you can read in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, about how God took a nation for himself and liberated the children of Israel with powerful signs and wonders. In terms of the present, well, present, that being the apostolic age when Luke was writing the book of Acts, uh, well, 30 years earlier than Luke was writing this, the apostle Paul had already written to the church in Corinth about signs and wonders and mighty works. And for that matter, the second chapter of Hebrews, we read how it was declared at first through the Lord and attested to us by those who heard him when, while God added his testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles distributed according to his will. And then there's the future part of that. Power, signs, and wonders can also be seen as foretelling end times. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul wrote, the coming of the lawless one is apparent in the working of Satan who uses all power signs, lying wonders. You reckon lying wonders are kind of like fake news? Lying wonders and every kind of wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused, refused to love the truth and so be saved. So first Peter announced the coming of the Holy Spirit. Second, he proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The third thing Peter did was to call them to repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And Luke says that after hearing the first two parts of Peter's sermon, the people asked, brothers, what should we do? And that's when Peter told them the third part of his message, repent and be baptized. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And then Peter made him a promise saying, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away. That would be all of us, right? Far away in time as well as distance. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And then what happened? Those who welcomed his message, we read, those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Well, what was true on that first Christian celebration of the day of Pentecost, what was true then is still true today. The Holy Spirit is here for us. The Holy Spirit, that is, the giver and renewer of life, the Spirit that justifies us by grace through faith, the Spirit who sets us free, free to accept ourselves and free to love God and neighbor. That Spirit binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, which is what we call the church. We sing every week, blessed be the tie that binds. Well, that's the tie that binds us as a church. Jesus Christ is our Messiah and Lord, and we're called to repent from our sinful, self-centered, self-serving, selfish ways. You and I, we are called to be new creatures following the loving example of Christ. We're called to love God and to love all God's children. And no, they don't deserve it in our eyes, but that's what we're told to do anyway. We cannot do any of this alone. We need the help of God, our Creator, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our guide. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Thanks be to God. Let's affirm our faith. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere, the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of people's long silence, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. In gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks, and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth, praying, Come, Lord Jesus, with believers in every time and place, 
we rejoice that nothing, life or in death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you go out from this place to seek and do God's will, may the steadfast love of God give you hope. May the redeeming power of Christ give you courage, and may the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit give you strength this day and every day. Amen.